live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Surprise, 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 as Gomer Pye used to say. No, it's not Jeff Wagner. It's Brian Noonan. Jeff is off uh, until the next decade. He will be back Monday, January 1st. Until then, you have me until 3 o'clock, and happy to be here. Uh, again, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk at text line 855-616-1620. When you call in, you'll be talking to Kyle. He's the executive producer of the big broadcast. To get to me, you got to be nice to him. That's how it works. Uh, it's funny, I was reading the Journal Sentinel this morning, and Jeff's Open kept running through my head about waking up and people finding a reason to be outraged. Today's culprit... Causing the outrage? A tent. That's right, you heard me. I'm not stuttering. A tent. A tent has caused all this outrage. Um, if there's no intent to be offensive, why do we get offended? Why do we believe we have a right to go through life without getting offended? But here's what has offended us now. The Hubbard Park Lodge. Seeming, seemingly innocuous place. Banquets. Nice, nice locale, everything. But they had the audacity to uh, put up tall timber tents. You know, I'm a big fan of alliteration, Kyle. That's my thing. I love alliteration more than just about anything else. Uh, tall timber tents. Uh, the problem with the tall timber tents is they happen to resemble teepees. Not resemble teepees. They basically are teepees. They're, but they're they're out there so people can rent them during the winter uh, to eat and drink out there. They'll have a little propane fire inside, and it's uh, it's just a fun little thing, uh, a little extra for people to enjoy during the winter months. Well, it didn't really sit that well with some people. Uh, the lodge, of course, is receiving backlash because. Um, they purchased the teepees instead of domes. Now, I don't know if you've been to any of these locales that have these heated domes. Uh, that Basically the same thing. They're heated domes. They have little tables in there, maybe uh, you know a fire or some sort of heater. And it's so you can sit outside in the winter and, oh, I'm drinking outside in the snow. Isn't this fun? Yes, it's very exciting. Well, people on Facebook uh, are upset, and they've commented that using teepees is appropriating culture from Native nations. Now, this has become a big thing over the last few years, uh, cultural appropriation. And I understand people getting upset if you've got Halloween costumes that are uh, cheap and seem to be making fun of a certain culture. I understand people getting upset about that. Uh, I don't understand the problem with this because, well, they're not selling them, selling the experience as a Native American experience. They They will not... They're not calling them teepees. They're calling them, again, tall timber tents. Um, one of the people who got very upset is uh, a woman, Haley Eagle Star Rock. She's in Anishab, 
I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this, Anishabi, from the La Couture Band of the Ojibwe Reservation. She says, Native American culture is so often monetized, I just think it's important for people to be more accepting of natives speaking for their things because we still exist. Uh, they're monetizing off our culture, the owner being a non-native himself, and when it's questioned or spoken out against, there is no response. Uh, she also went on to say, I think there was a lot of purpose for teepees, but it is used for ceremonial purposes for natives, so it gets a little touchy to share. And so I'm not going to argue the use for ceremonies now. Uh, back when they were first invented, they were regular housing for Native Americans. Uh, I looked this up, and it says, Historically, the teepee has been used by indigenous peoples of the plains in the Great Plains and Canadian prairies of North America, notably the seven sub-tribes of the Dakota. They are still in use, though now primarily for ceremonial purposes rather than daily living. But they were invented for daily living. Um, the Hubbard Lodge Facebook page, they've, they've tried to respond they're saying they purchased the teepees from a company called Nomadic Teepee Makers, which is owned by non-native people. They donate uh, to foundations that help support Native Americans. Somebody else said they were on the Facebook page and then got blocked. She was a, um, a Cherokee Nation descendant. The teepee make the the Nomadic Teepee Makers described their teepees as quote as authentic as possible, making it possible to experience what a nomadic culture experienced hundreds of years ago. All right. Is this a valid gripe, or is this just another reason for people to get upset for really no reason? Now, the Hubbard, Hubbard Park Lodge is saying, listen, we're not, one, we're not trying to offend anybody. Uh, we did not use the word teepee in the, uh, in the advertisements. Uh, we didn't, we're not selling it as a Native American experience. We we didn't intend to do anything Native American. We were trying to set ourselves apart from all these other places that have dome experiences by doing something a little different, by having these tall timber tents. Um, there's historical information inside the tent. They said part of the reason they went with the tall timber tents is because then they can have a propane fire inside. So it's a little more, uh, again, setting themselves apart from other businesses that have these outdoor experiences. So now you go in there, there'll be a propane fire in the tent, and you can sit around and, and do all this. So there's historical information in there, there's literature inside the structures, uh, and they are not the only place in Wisconsin that has teepee rentals. Uh, Kohler Andre State Park, Camp uh, Wandawega, and more, they all have what they call teepees for rent. So... I don't know. I think it's. I think it would be a fun experience. I don't see it as trying to culturally appropriate the Native American culture. But again, I'm not Native American, so you know, educate me. If you think this is a problem, why? And if you don't, well, I don't either. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner's six twenty WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff. The tall timber tents at Hubbard 
Park Lodge are causing all sorts of controversy because, well, they're they're teepees, basically. But Hubbard Park Lodge is not selling them as a native experience. They're not using teepee in any of the sales or any of the promotion of this outdoor experience. However, uh, people, some Native Americans are upset about this, saying, hey, you are appropriating our culture, and that's not right. The TP is now only used for ceremonial purposes. Um, Hubbard Park Lodge is saying, well, you know, and the manufacturer of these tents is saying, well, we're just trying to show how nomadic people lived back in the day. Your thoughts? 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's where Chris is hanging on. He's in Madison. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you today? I am well, thanks. What do you think about this? I just, um, you know, I, I'm a former psychology student, and it, I was thinking about what's called Maslow's Hierarchy, where you basically start out, you have, there's the physical state where you do what you have to do to stay alive. There's security, or, 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 you know, your food, water, shelter. Then there's security, what you do to protect yourself. Then you go to social, where you want to be feeling included. Then where we're sitting right now is ego, where you need, it's like self-esteem, power, recognition. You want, everybody wants to be known. You know, everyone wants to group themselves where we should really be at the peak of this, which is transcendence. You know, where it's just, Hey, we're all here. I get it, you know, but we all come from the same origin and we branch different ways. If we could get past all this hypersensitivity, um, I think we could do a whole lot better. It just, it, it just, I don't know. Everybody wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be recognized because there's very little else to worry about right now. <laughs> if we were having to worry about staying alive and worrying about a lot of the more basic needs, we wouldn't be worrying about this so i just kind of think it's 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 over the top i want to respect anybody that has that feeling i i understand that but i just wish as a a culture or a a a country or just our planet in general just get together get on the same page and do what we got to do or we're going to find ourselves right back down at the physical and security state of maslow's hierarchy we're going to well, hopefully we hopefully we can get past this ego stage and get to the transcendence, as you said. But uh, right now, with, with between social media and the need for everybody to be heard, I think we're stuck at this stage for a while. Chris, I appreciate the call. Have a happy New Year. From the 941, America has borrowed, been introduced to, or retained ideas from all cultures. Yes, we are a melting pot. Uh, it is not appropriation. It's honoring and utilizing great ideas. Yeah, the structure itself is a great idea. The The... The TP structure is was for nomadic people back uh, back when it was in use a great idea. It was functional. It was easy to set up and take down. It provided warmth. It provided uh, cool climate in the summer. It had the uh, the fire flaps so you could have the fire inside. It was very functional. And again, they are not at Hubbard Park Lodge are not selling it as a Native American experience. They're selling it as the Tall timber tents where you can sit outside in the winter and eat and drink and enjoy yourself. And I don't see what the problem is, but somebody might. Linda is in Milwaukee. Hi, Linda. Hi. What do you think? Um, I agree with the first caller. Okay. I grew up being Polish and Croatian. And as I was growing up, I was called a Pole. I was called a Crow. Um, there were other people in our whole neighborhood, some were Italian, some were uh, Hispanic. There was nicknames for everybody. As we got older, we laughed it off. It was just a nickname. 
I think that with things as education and for health care with the Native Americans, that should be more the focus than whether a teepee is set up on a garden. Yeah. No, I agree. There's there's a lot there are a lot of bigger issues for the Native American community and this is not being used to denigrate that community or you know, yes, if you drive by you're going to see a teepee and you're going to think about Native Americans. But that doesn't mean you're going to think of them in a derogatory way, and it's not the intent of the Hubbard Park Lodge or any of these other places that have them set up to do that. So, yes, Linda, you are absolutely right. We have we have evolved. Thankfully, a lot of those ethnic names have you know gone by the wayside, which they should have. Uh, and you know, let's try to focus on the bigger picture and the bigger problems. I appreciate the call, Linda. Have a great New Year. Uh, let's do this. Then we've got more of your calls and texts. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. It's Brian for Jeff, 620 WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Talking about the tall timber tents at the Hubbard Park Lodge. They're causing some controversy. Now, of course, the controversy may not be as as big as uh, it's being made out to be. Some people are offended because they say, hey, this uh, this is cultural appropriation. You are taking Native Americans' uh, culture and stealing it. But if you go to the website and you look at it, it's they don't call it, they call it winter tent rental or tall timber tents. And yes, they look like, uh, they look like teepees because they are teepees. But and nobody complains about the domes, the domes that all these businesses have, and those are basically based on igloos, which is another native culture. And you don't hear Eskimos getting upset because the domes are being used, you know, and every piece of architecture is influenced by other architecture. You know, think about all the buildings or all the homes that you look at that you go, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Oh, that's this type of architecture. That's this style of building. Well, this is a migratory culture or, you know, indigenous culture, uh, migratory people. This is that style of architecture. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot, a lot over nothing. 262 texts in, agree with the psychology, uh, major caller. It seems the easier life is for society, the more picky and petty individuals get about feeling offended and overly sensitive about insignificant things. Well, if you do, if you go back to, as, uh, as our caller pointed out, the hierarchy of needs, yeah, if we, if we were all busy worrying about hunting and gathering and having a place to, uh, having some sort of shelter and uh, having a place to, uh, to sleep and something to eat, we wouldn't have time. To worry about this other stuff. Nobody'd worry about anything being appropriated other than the blanket that you need to keep warm or other than the piece of food that you would need to feed your family. Nobody would care. And yet, thank I mean, li- listen, I'm glad we live in a, <laughs> in a more comfortable society. I don't know how good I'd be as a hunter or gatherer. I'd be more like the guy who sits back and lets everybody bring the stuff back to camp. I'm the shot caller in the primitive culture. That's what I just I don't know if there's a name for that, but that'd be me. I'm not going to be the guy going out. There's guys like Kyle, younger guys, you'd go out and you'd hunt and you'd gather, you'd come back and you'd share with the group. Or you'd be banished. 
you'd be out on your own. And once you're once you're banished on your own, you can't. You got to have the the pack to live with. Surely not the best hunter though. I'd be the guy coming back with rabbits or something, while other people are coming back with hogs or something. Wow. Well, I guess it would depend on what we want to eat that day. And if a rabbit, if it's a rabbit or nothing, suddenly you're the king of the hunters. You sure. Know, there if, you go. If you come back with a rabbit and Rusty comes back with like five deer that he's already dressed and started to cook, well, you know, you and your rabbit can go pound sand. I'm going with Rusty and, uh, you know, the herd of deer that we're going to chow down on. Uh, you know who's going to be chowing down on Sunday, don't you? The Packers are going to eat some lion meat. We will. Uh, how'd you like that ham-handed segue? That was fantastic. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> ominous music for a team that is favored by 10 the Packers heading into Detroit on Sunday yes they're the NFC North champions but that is not enough what can we expect on Sunday the man who knows is the host of opening drive here on WTMJ you hear memory every night on ESPN radio Doug Russell is in the studio with me thanks for taking some time I know you're on in you know just a few minutes yeah. <laughs> you got your own thing happening that's okay but uh, this is a big deal. Now everybody is saying, "Yes, it's it's great. We've got we've got uh, the the division. We're we're going to get a buy somewhere. We should be in one of the you know the second seed, maybe the foot. But mm-hmm. we want to win on Sunday to possibly get that first seed if Seattle can beat San Francisco. Sure, I mean that's what you want. I don't think that anything is a must-win until you either get to the playoffs or you have to win to get into the playoffs. Right. So so since they're in... I mean, they're in. They've they've locked up at least one home playoff game. Right. So that's good. Here's the thing about the NFC. If you would have asked me three weeks ago who I thought the best team in the NFC would have been, um, I would have said probably San Francisco, but if it's not San Francisco, it's certainly New Orleans. Yes, I would agree. I don't know that I can say that anymore because everybody's taken a bad loss mm-hmm. this season. Um Everybody has flaws, including the Packers. The Packers right. are, are not a perfect team. The Packers are a flawed team. But I think that they're right there with San Francisco, even though the 49ers clobbered them earlier uh, in the season. So, I mean, do you want that rematch? I, I don't know. Probably not, but you may get it anyway. Um, and it might be at Lambeau Field. Do you want Seattle? Well, Seattle just took a terrible loss at home to Arizona. So maybe right. you want Seattle. And Seattle's 2-2 two and two in their last four. Right. So they they're a flawed team. You look at even New Orleans defense and they're the, the same defense that gave up 48 points to San Francisco in a 48-46 loss. This is the same team uh that ha- has given up 30 plus points in I think what five or six other games okay. this season. So But playing them if you flawed. have to if you have to go there to play New Orleans yeah, that, flips that, the is, that is always a very tough place for somebody to go into. Sure, that flips flips the script certainly. Um but my I I guess my point on all of this is that every team is flawed and no one to me is so head and shoulders above everybody else because you've got that grouping in there that's either 12 and 3 or 11 and 4 right now and i think any of those teams including the packers but also including the seahawks including the 49ers including the uh, uh seahawks um saints all all those teams are capable of going to the super bowl this year yeah now you, I heard you talking yesterday on one of your uh, one of your radio spots about Aaron Rodgers, and there was some criticism about how things went in the first half in Minnesota, and you know over the year, over the the rest of the season, um, you were you were saying that a lot of the blame for that goes to his targets, that he doesn't have the best targets anymore, so that 
it may not be a fair representation. Even even his passer rating last week, his quarterback rating mm-hmm. was low, and that may might not be a fair representation of what Aaron Rodgers really still is and really can do. I think it's it's fair to a certain extent, but you look at the weapons that he used to have, mm-hmm. and they're far better than what he has right now. He's got Devontae Adams, and Devontae right. Adams is a Pro Bowl tel- you know, caliber wide receiver. But beyond that, he doesn't really have anybody that's stepped up and done what they've done in the past. Whether, you know, for so many years, Randall Cobb was that great number two receiver, right. that great receiver in the slot that you could count on. Well, now he's a Dallas Cowboy. So you don't really have that guy. At times, it's been Alan Lazard. Um, it hasn't really been Marquez Valdez-Scantling this year because he was expected to take a big leap from year one to year two, and that hasn't happened. Uh, you're still waiting for other guys like Jake Kumaro to be more consistent and get consistently open and get on the field more consistently as well, and that hasn't happened. They haven't really used the tight end because Jimmy Graham has been a terrible disappointment in the two years that he's been a Green Bay Packer. Right. The best tight end the Packers have had in the last 10 years is Jared Cook now playing in New Orleans. So why they couldn't figure out a way to keep Jared Cook, um, That I think that was a missed opportunity for the Packers. And, and Mercedes Lewis at this stage of his career, I don't think is a legitimate pass-catching threat. I don't think anybody's afraid of Robert Tanyan. So he just doesn't have the same receivers, the same targets that at one point that he had. And I think that's part of it. But, yeah, he misses guys occasionally, too. He's he's not the same quarterback and doesn't make the same throws that he made in 2011 when he won his first MVP award. But I'll still take him over most of the quarterbacks in the NFL, of course. Now, at 3-11-1, the Lions look pathetic. They At the beginning of the season... They looked like they might be yeah. legit, and then they've fallen completely apart. Do they have enough to play spoiler to an extent? I mean, the the, the Packers are in; they're the division champs. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a spoiler in that way, but it could spoil their hopes to you know get more home games. It's it's always dangerous when you've got a wounded animal, right? Mm-hmm. And for the Lions, a couple of things are at play. This is their Super Bowl. There's no question sure. about that. You knock off the division champs last game of the season and you ruin something for them, whether it's home field advantage, whether it's the top seed, whatever it is. That's something to play for. Here's the other thing that the Lions can play for, and that's their jobs for next season. Because True. Uh, fortunately for the Packers and the rest of the NFC North, Matt Patricia is coming back as head coach next year. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! So he's going to be evaluating the players that uh, he's got right now and look, jobs in the NFL are scarce, so right. they're, they're playing for their jobs. So in that sense, yes, you don't want to just look past them. I don't necessarily think this is the most important game of the season for the Packers by a long shot. Right. That having been said, they say any given Sunday for, for a reason, and the Packers have lost to bad teams before. That's true, but you want, as the Packers, you want that momentum, and Lafleur has been sure. saying, listen, he's not, he's not looking past, at least from what he's saying, he is... Paying lip service to the Lions, going listen. This is a good team. We've got to. We've got to prepare. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. There's always that chance, though, that the guys are going to go. Well, it's, you know, sure, it's the Lions. That's We're, what happened to Wisconsin. I think earlier this season against Illinois, they, man. you know, they saw an opportunity to go down and get an easy win against a team that had really been the doormats of the Big Ten for the last decade plus or so. And what happened? They well, played poorly and they got beat. Right. So hopefully that's not going to happen Sunday. Now, the offensive line for the Packers has been doing really well. They did Mm -hmm. great against uh, the Vikings, which was good. Uh, Other than than that, what do we need to look at from the Lions that may pose a threat? Hmm. Well, David Blau is their quarterback. 
right now. All right, so no threat. No. <laughs> You're, I don't there's, know. There's it's, really nothing. There's, so, they, I mean, they're 3-11-1. Right. and one. They're, right. not, they're not a very good football so, team. So, okay, so then what, what, as the Packers, what do they need to focus on more other than just protecting the ball and the usual stuff to win? Is there anything... You know, do you do foresee anybody sitting that maybe should be played? You know, are they going to rest anybody in, you know, is Rodgers only going to play a certain amount and then they'd sit him down? Is What, what do you think is going to happen Sunday in preparation for the playoffs? Here's what I hope happens. I hope the Packers get off to a big enough lead that Aaron Rodgers can play maybe a series or two in the third quarter and then sit him down. Okay. Because at some point it's going to be... Why are you exposing yes. your franchise quarterback with the playoffs literally right around the corner. Right. I think Jamal Williams will probably sit because he's been a little bit banged up. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't foresee... I mean, Devontae Adams is going to play, for example. Okay. Um, you know, as far as Zadarius Smith is going to play, Preston Smith will play, I don't think they're going to be really sitting anybody. They might rotate some guys in, some fresher legs at the end of the game, just to preserve some of right. some of those guys that I mentioned. But other than that, I think everybody's going to start. All right, on Monday, you want to predict when we're sitting here Monday, what are we looking at? Where where will the Packers be in the playoffs? Where will they be seated? What do you think the uh, home field is going to look like? Well, first of all, I hate making predictions. I know I'm you usually, do. Because but, I'm usually wrong. But I always like to ask you for predictions just because I know how much you hate to make them. That's... <laughs> I think the pack. look, the Packers should be able to win, right? Right. So we're going to say the Packers are going to go okay. ahead and win. Um, so as far as the Seattle versus San Francisco game, yeah. I don't know what to make of these two teams. Seattle won the first one, but Seattle, again, they're 2-2 two and two in their last four. And they got whipped by a bad Arizona team last week. Yep. So I don't know what to make of these guys, but they're so. But Seattle's so banged up right now. They signed Marshawn Lynch for crying out loud. Yeah, to cut off the street. Yeah, What's, you know, I'm glad to see though he is back to uh, treating the press as he always did. He yeah, has not. Well, some things have at never all. changed. Yes, I'm here so I don't get fined. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm here so I don't get fined. All right, so we're. You know, I think they'll be. The, it's it's going to be a lock. Yeah, look, I think that they're going to win, and I think they'll probably. Like, if you're looking at the number two seed, that's about as good as you can expect. If they get the number one seed, look at it as a bonus. But right. if I had to predict right now, I'll say the number two seed. All right, perfect. Well, listen, I know you have a show to do in about uh, 15 minutes. Yes, sir. So you should go prep for that. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. People can hear you Sunday morning at 9. Uh, yes. Opening drive begins, right, in preparation for the game, which is a noon kickoff. Noon kickoff with Wayne and Larry. I'll get the uh, programming started, as you said, right here, Brian. 9 o'clock, opening drive here on WTMJ. Perfect. Thank you, Doug Russell. Always a pleasure. All right, let's do this. Then there's more. It's Brian for Jeff, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. My thanks again to Doug Russell. You can hear the opening drive 9 o'clock Sunday morning in advance of the Packers at the Lions noon kickoff. Kyle, you're getting some love on the the text screen. Before we talked to Doug, we were talking about hunters and gatherers and... uh, you know, you you sold yourself short that maybe you would only be the kind of guy who could bring back a rabbit. The nine four one selling saying, "Don't sell yourself short, Kyle. I'm putting you down for a mastodon or two. So the listeners think that you are quite capable of downing a gigantic animal and dragging it back to the tribe. Handy with a spear, sure. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know who else is handy with something that cuts? The CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Company. They are editing and chopping and uh, taking movies and cutting out crucial scenes. And by crucial scenes, I mean completely useless seven-second scenes. I don't know if you saw the uh, the story. And again, more outrage. It's the outrage hour here on WTMJ. First we start with tents. Now we go to Home Alone 2. 
Home Alone 2, the classic. In this, in this story, I found they, they described it as the beloved 92 Christmas comedy. I'm going to say that's a stretch. I think the first Home Alone may be beloved by some people. I don't remember Home Alone 2. And I wouldn't have remembered much about it until this story, because um, before Donald Trump was president of the United States, he was a businessman in New York. And, you know, a pretty well-known businessman, uh, famous in New York. He had written the book, The Art of the Deal, or, or helped write the book, The Art of the Deal. So he had a very small cameo in Home Alone 2. And even though it might take a long time, I, I hope you'll be patient with us as we play the entire cameo. That's not him playing the music, by the way. Still not him. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. That's it. That's the entirety of the scene. Uh, a lot of music, a lot of Macaulay Culkin strolling through, uh, I don't know where they were, a hotel, maybe uh, maybe then the plaza. That seems to be a popular, oh, it was the Plaza Hotel. Look at that. Look at me. There's like three New York landmarks that they set movies in. Empire State Building, Plaza Hotel, and that corner with the Triangle Building. I don't know what it is. It's somewhere in, uh, somewhere in uh, lower Manhattan. So anyway, that's a scene from... A cameo appearance from then-businessman Donald Trump in Home Alone 2. Well, some supporters in Canada, or supporters anywhere, I don't know who was watching the Canadian Broadcast Corporation unless they were in Canada, uh, complained that that cameo had been cut out of the movie. First of all, why is anybody watching a movie on regular television? Because that's just insane. If you watch a movie that still has commercials with it, you are living in 1968. With all the streaming services and cable services and channels, uh, watch a movie without commercials. But that's beside the point. The point is, this got everybody worked up into a frenzy. The people at Fox and Friends uh, decried the exclusion, calling it an example of, quote, censorship and anti-Trump derangement. The president's son uh, tweeted an article that called the omission pathetic uh, and uh, made an Instagram quote calling it bias. The facts are, though, that, yes, the, the president's cameo was cut, along with about, uh, I'm trying to find the exact, there was about eight to ten minutes were cut from the movie to make, to fit it for time. Uh, the CBC edited out multiple scenes from Home Alone 2 to shorten the two-hour movie for television. Eight minutes in all, the CBC says. Uh, the deletion of scenes entirely unrelated to Trump is confirmed by a search of viewers' complaint tweets. So Canadians, I guess maybe it is beloved in Canada because they were tweeting about other scenes that were deleted. The Turtle Dove Exchange was cut, for example. Are you familiar with this uh, the Home Alone 2? Kyle? Oh, yeah. I actually, almost, uh, when I was a kid, I preferred it more than the original. Uh, what what's the premise of home? I I know Home Alone. We just watched it at the house. What's Home Alone too? They did it again. He's just even more lost. He's in New York City. When does DCFS step in to the uh, to it's McAllister? I think right. Uh, yeah. When when do they step in and take this kid away? Quite frankly, because now, okay, the first time 
No, I don't even understand it the first time. As a parent, you'd, you'd never go anywhere and leave your kid. Okay, so he gets now he's lost in New York? That's the, that's the deal? Yeah, he gets lost in an airport. He boards the wrong plane, and of he lands he in New York where his family is in, like, Miami? Miami, yeah. Are they all drunk at the airport? Who keeps losing the same kid? The hustle and bustle. Yeah, but at one, don't you get the don't you get the redhead bully brother to to watch him or one of the other siblings to go? Hey, listen, keep an eye on Kevin because he's a slippery little rascal and he's always getting away from us. It's Somebody's got to keep an eye on this kid. It's a big family. It just comes down to not caring about the one kid, and uh, he he is truly like they're all just leaving him as they run, <laughs> just not looking back. Like if you are not catching up, the lion's catching you. All right, here's the thing: if you come from a large family, who was the mechanic? Callister in your family. I have four brothers, so there's five of us. I will say, as crazed as my parents were trying to wrangle the five of us, they never left any of us anywhere except for one Christmas where uh, my brother number four, because they never like me mentioning their names, so number four uh, wandered off when we were going to see Santa at the mall. Uh, and it was just my dad. My mom was at home. So it was my dad and the five of us, and number four wandered off, and we couldn't find him anywhere. Till we, and I don't know why we did this. I don't know if my dad was just willing to wash his hands of the whole situation, but we went out to the car, and number four was hiding under the car because he had gotten lost and then went out. He, he remembered where the car was, so he figured at some point they're going to come to the car, and as long as I don't fall asleep, they won't run me over because I'll hear them coming, and I'll, I'll come out from underneath. That, just, just on the ground? Just on the ground. <laughs> he, was, he was on the ground. Um it was, I don't, and again, now somebody said, the other day I told a story uh, about swearing in church, and somebody said, that can't be true. I'm telling, I'm not going to tell a story here that is not true. It is, it explains a lot when you hear more of these stories. It explains how I've become the, the man I am. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with uh, the McAllisters and uh, the, the president in the movie. But first we have to do this on WTMJ. All right, so let's, uh, let's quash this controversy that uh, because the president tweeted out that maybe Justin Trudeau had a hand in getting him his cameo cut from uh, Home Alone 2. That was not the case. It was done uh, It was done back in 2014, all the edits to this movie. Because if you watch any movie on regular TV, which again is a mistake, you see at the beginning there's always the disclaimer that this movie has been edited for time and to fit the format of your screen. So... 2014, the president wasn't even a candidate at that point. Uh, as I mentioned, there were other scenes cut. Kevin going swimming, the uh, infamous turtle dove exchange, a homeless man warning uh, Macaulay Culkin to watch it, kid. So there's a lot of uh, there were a lot of scenes cut, and I know when you watched it on Canadian television, Kyle, you were very upset as well. But it was not politically motivated. It was just for time. All right, on the other side of the news, we are going to talk about airline travel. There is an uptick in violence. Should we ban alcohol in the skies, or should the airlines do better? We'll get into that on the other side of the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Nope. Try again. Jeff will be back January 2nd. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff uh, today and uh, tomorrow, or today, Monday and Tuesday. So very exciting. It's Friday, right? Yes, very exciting. Maybe you are taking off to uh, go on a, a wonderful trip. I know our boss just flew back. 
outrage in the sky. There are more and more reports of disruptive behavior in the air. People are getting upset. Air rage is all the rage. Uh, whose fault is it? Is it time to ban alcohol on flights, or does the airline have to do better? Uh, I'm going to say a little of both, but I'm going to put the blame squarely on the airlines. I think airlines have made air travel so uncomfortable and such a hassle that it's no wonder that people uh, are upset. Now, does that excuse people flying off the handle and berating staff and getting violent? Absolutely not, but... Think about the last time you flew. It starts with it starts with going through the TSA. Now I understand the the reasoning behind all this high security. It's something that we as Americans were not used to for for the entire history of air travel up until September 11th, and now we're uh, we're still I think a lot of us adjusting to it. I think the TSA has made some progress in making the uh, everything a little bit smoother expediting the process a little bit uh i like the pre-check if you don't have if you don't have tsa pre-check you're you're flying wrong you need to get tsa pre-check because you never have to take your shoes off again and that was my biggest gripe because i have size 15 shoes a lot of laces it took me a while so now with pre-check boom you're right through so get yourself pre-check it, it lasts for a few few years but anyway so you've got TSA pre-check, you've got the machines, you're, uh, the x-ray machines, you're not having to do as much. Most of the airports are trying to expand the TSA area to get more uh, agents in there so that uh, it gets people through quicker. But, all right, so maybe maybe you get through security a little faster, right? But you're still a little cranky because you're standing in line and you always seem to be behind people who've never flown before and they don't know that you have to take your laptop out and now you have to take your iPad out and everything else out and you can't have change in your pockets and blah, blah, blah. Things that if you've flown more than once, you probably know. What do you mean I can't bring this gallon bottle of water through? I have to stay hydrated. Put it away. You can't bring open liquids. You know all this. So now we're, now we're a little, uh, little agitated because we have had to go through security. Then we get to the gate, we're a little more agitated because now they're going to charge us fees to check our bags. Seems every airline except Southwest, Southwest still lets you fly two bags for free. This is not a commercial, it's just a fact. You know, other places, you've got to, you know, you've got to pay fees. So now, instead of people bringing a small backpack or a tiny carry-on bag on the plane, people are trying to get on the plane with steamer trunks and livestock and everything else. It's like taking a plane in a third world country, which I don't, I don't know if they have livestock and steamer trunks there, but I'm, I'm just guessing. So you've got people trying to bring in these giant bags, which means now all the overhead room, all the overhead compartments are taken up. So they tell you you got to stuff, stuff, stuff your belongings under the seat in front of you. The problem is, if you're more than five feet tall, they've narrowed the gap in the seat so much that you can't really fit in there comfortably unless you are a small child. So now, instead of being able to put your feet under the seat in front of you, you've got to put a, an extra bag because the guy in front of you bought a giant suitcase that he stood in the aisle for 10 minutes trying to jam into the overhead bin. And you've seen these people. They're just banging on it, trying to flip it around. It doesn't work. So we're aggravated. Now we get in the air, and maybe. But chances are you're going to be delayed on the tarmac. So your flight's sitting there. Nobody's telling you why. So you're just getting more and more agitated. All of a sudden they take off. Now the drink service starts. You're in an agitated state. 
Used to be you get some complimentary beverages. You don't do that anymore, so now you have to have a credit card because they don't take cash for your drinks. So you got to have your credit. And it just keeps building and building and building. And all of a sudden, something happens, like the person in the row with you takes off their shoes and starts clipping their toenails, or, you know, some belligerent guy has a few too many cocktails and he starts mouthing off, and the experience just gets worse and worse. So is it any surprise to you that more and more air rage incidents are happening? Uh, air rage, just to, to clarify, a term used for disruptive and unruly passenger behavior, ranging from snapping at the flight attendant, refusing to sit down, brawling with another passenger, and even in the most extreme scenarios, attempting to enter the flight deck or open the emergency exit door. Which, I've, I've, thankfully, I've never seen that. I've actually only seen rude behavior. I've been fortunate enough, I, I haven't seen air rage behavior. But if you have, uh, I would like to hear the story. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, according to the International Air Transport Association, uh, statistics suggest that incidents involving unruly airplane passengers are on the rise. You see it all over social media, right? We see the videos, and that's part of the... That's, they're saying that that may actually be a deterrent, is that you don't get, want to get on a plane anymore and be the next viral video. So that may keep people in check, but I don't know. We'll, call it, we'll talk about a few more of the, the causes. I went over the airlines part in this, which I think is the biggest part. But let's turn our attention to the alcohol portion. As a guy who likes to have, a, you know, on a longer flight, I, I don't mind a cocktail. I'm not a teetotaler. Uh, but is it time for us to ban alcohol on flights? Do you really need to be drinking the minute your wheel's up on your flight to the Caribbean? Or your flight to the Twin Cities. It doesn't matter. People are drinking all over. 855-616-1620. It's Brian for Jeff, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you traveled over the holidays or anytime recently, maybe you witnessed some air rage on your flight. I hope you did not, but uh, the s statistics are saying that air rage is on the rise. Uh, I'm putting a lot of it squarely on the airlines uh, because, you know, international internal flights uh, in the U.S. are allowed to overbook aircraft to account for no-shows. Passengers are asked if they'll take a later flight, offered air miles or other incentives. But here's the catch. If nobody volunteers, the airlines can, quote, involuntarily deboard passengers, end quote. They could do that based on your check-in time, uh, your cost of the ticket, your status with the airline. So they could just come on and drag somebody off. You remember the video from a man being dragged off a United flight after he refused to deboard? Yeah, I would refuse to deboard too. But then, of course, then I'm the viral video. I'm the guy who's getting dragged off, uh, dragged off the plane. If you experienced air rage, I would love to hear from you. Also, where do you place the blame? Do we take the blame? Is alcohol to blame? Or is the airline to blame. Alcohol is alcohol is a big culprit. Uh, one of that is the longest cited cause of air rage uh, because people get that it's 5 o'clock somewhere mentality. Uh, you start drinking in the airport. I'm guilty of this. Uh, I've, the minute I set foot in the airport, I think I'm on vacation. I'm still, you know, I'm still standing. I haven't even gotten on a plane. But in my mind, I'm gone. So we always start, we'll have one drink in the airport. 
And then depending on the time of day of the flight, I'm not one of these people, and you've seen them, you've gotten on a flight with them in the morning, and they're drinking at like 7 o'clock. That's, you know, no. You're still a normal human being. You, you, you know, you can wait. But there's people who start drinking. So they just start going, they start, to, they start getting hammered, and then people get drunk. And all of a sudden, they're drunk, and they get belligerent, and they don't want to follow instructions, or they're going to argue with another passenger. So, you know, unless unless a flight is over three hours, I don't think you need alcohol. If you're doing a quick flight, you know, uh, from Milwaukee to St. Louis, that's what, two-and-a-half-hour flight? You don't need a drink. Hang on. Have one in the airport. If you're flying from Milwaukee to the Twin Cities, you're flying from Chicago uh, to Omaha, you don't need a drink. Just get on the flight. They're charging you anyway. You're, you're overpaying for a tiny little watered-down drink in the sky. It's just to kill time. It's to, it's to make us forget that we're trapped in a little tube hurtling through space. That's all the alcohol is for. It's, it's hopefully for the staff to lull you to sleep so that we're much more easy, easily controlled. That's what it is. They get you drunk, you pass out, and then they throw you off the plane in Salt Lake City, even though you were supposed to be uh, you know, in L.A., but you're one of the McAllister kids from Home Alone, and now you're hanging out with the Mormons in Salt Lake City. I don't know why uh, that was the market that we picked, but that's the one. So any flight under four hours, no alcohol. That's my solution. It's, going to, it, it's not going to eliminate the problem altogether, but at least, okay, that, that may take out some of the personal issues for the air rage. But then everything else is on the airline. Airlines are, uh, I, I don't know how, well, I know how they stay in business. We have to go places. And the government, the government helps them out. But, man, oh, man, uh, I'm not against people making money, but they nickel and dime you to death nonstop. Uh, from Southside Chuck on the uh, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, until the, uh, let's see, oh, there it is. Oh, this is Mark from Bristol. I accidentally became one of the air rage people. How do you accidentally become an air rage person? I guess he's going to tell me. I had to fly for the first time in my life, and I was terrified, so I got there early and spent too much time at the bar. Oh, okay. I fell asleep almost immediately before we even took off and woke up to experience turbulence for the first time, at which point I drunkenly panicked, thinking the plane was going down. Made a huge scene, ended up having to deal with security afterwards, felt like a moron, an embarrassed moron. But you know what's nice, Mark? I think you learned your lesson, right? It's, it sounds like Mark now is, you know, well, now he's a more seasoned traveler. Uh, and he also knows, you know, maybe, maybe instead of four drinks before you get on the plane, you have two drinks before you get on the plane. You know, you, you, you cut back a little bit. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. So, all right, we've got some more texts coming in. Uh, I, I've gotten to the point, I detest air travel. And I detest the way we as the public are treated uh, by the airlines. We are really treated like cattle. Uh, and it, it, there's, nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. If you want to go certain places, you have to fly. When I was a kid, we never flew for vacation. Uh, no matter where we went, we drove. Because there was, like I said, there were five of us and my mom and dad. We'd load the car up and we went wherever. But if you, you know, if you, if you want to travel internationally, if you want to go anywhere, you got to get on the plane, and they know they've got you. So it used to be, now, when I was, uh, I used to be much bigger, like 150 pounds bigger. 
And it, that made travel awful. Now, at least, you know, now I sit in the seat fine and I, you know, buckle my seatbelt fine. But the seat in front of me, I'm 6'5". The seat in front of me is literally in my face. So there's no, unless I start making, you know, unless I start making some Jeff Wagner money where I can fly first class, then I'm, I'm, I got trouble. Right, let's do this. We've got some more text coming in. We've got a lot to get to. It's WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, you know, I proposed. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. I didn't know you 2 was coming in. I proposed that no flight under four hours should have uh, alcohol on it because maybe that would cut down on some of the air rage. Uh, Fat Lou in West Dallas taking umbrage with me on the uh, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No, sir, you are wrong. And I, I, I imagine him wagging his finger at me. No, sir, you are wrong. Uh, I am a professional drinker. The idiots that get drunk on flights and cause issues are idiots sober, too, and also cause issues. All right. Listen, Fat Lou, you can handle your buzz. Sometimes sometimes you can craft your buzz. Sometimes your buzz crafts you, and that, I think, is what's happening to a lot of people because they're nervous, and then, let's be honest, there's a lot of people who take uh, pharmaceuticals to help them fly. Some anti and I don't know how that reacts with the alcohol, but things get dicey. I'm going to stand by my position. If your flight is under four hours, you don't need a drink. Uh, Southside Chuck, Brian, until the mid-80s, you wore nice clothes, had room on the plane, and you got royal treatment when flying. It was an event. The last time I flew, I sat next to a mom feeding her child yogurt, trying to keep her kids quiet. I was very polite, but she was so rude and no alcohol was involved. All right. It is like taking the bus. I equate, Now air travel is like taking a Greyhound. You know, used to be... Uh, and listen, I'm not I'm not one of the back in my day, Kyle, when we flew with Lindbergh, it was lovely. No, but, you know, now people are getting on in their pajamas and they're bringing on all this food, their own food. And it's like, oh, my God, just stop. This is not it, this isn't how it should be. It, I don't need it pristine all the time, but there's got to be a line right between common decency and and a little self-respect and just going i've given up i am wearing pajama pants and slippers and i'm traveling to paris and it doesn't matter you don't have to wear a suit or an evening gown but you know maybe some pants with a waistband you know and and by all means don't take your shoes off i don't want to see your feet i don't you know uh, if you if you're going to watch a movie on your own device put some headphones in i don't need any of this Am I too curmudgeonly? Is this a problem? No, I think everybody is on board with uh, at least the the feet thing. The feet is uh, the feet is the worst. That is that is the the bad. But for me, it's always the food. I, I was on a on a flight from uh, what was it Phoenix back here, okay. and they had like the six eight inch pizzas, like the personal pizzas. Oh yeah, and it was like a group, like a family of five, and they all brought on like their pizzas <laughs> and everything. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, yes. why? Why do you need to eat the entire, like, just snacking on an entire pizza? It's couldn't so unnecessary. Eat, couldn't you have eaten in the airport? One. Two, it's, what, four-hour flight? Maybe yeah. five-hour oh, yeah. flight? Yeah, it's, it's it was going to be like three hours, three and a half. Three-something. Not, not That's long. Not, yeah, it's not like you're going on a, a cross-country trek. You're not part of, you know, a wagon train trying to find the the West Coast. You will eat again. And they'll probably give you a tiny bag with six uh, cheese crackers in it or something. You, you're going to, you won't starve to death in that three and a half hours. Especially, and, you know, am I body shaming? Probably. But I've seen some of the people getting on flights. They could do with three and a half hours of no snacks. 
And I listen, I was one of those, and I consider myself, I could go three and a half hours without a snack. I'm I'm an hour and a half into the show, and I'm quite peckish, but I'm going to make it till three without something to eat. I can do it, and I think you can do it too. <sighs> All right, you know what you, uh, I don't know if you can do or not, but somebody did it. A judge in Milwaukee has uh, made a jury choice with a very, very controversial method. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's actually Brian Noonan for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back January 2nd. Uh, before we move on to the next thing we want to talk about, uh, one last thought. We were talking about uh, food and booze and airlines and air rage and all that. And the 608 texted in, this is a good point, bringing their own food, question mark, question mark. People bring their pets, claiming they are comfort animals. Airports now have pet relief areas. Uh, I know this is going to come across as insensitive, and I don't mean it that way, but enough is enough with the various comfort animals. Uh, a parrot is not a comfort animal. Uh, a, a, a ferret, a snake, those are not comfort animals. I, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've done a little research on it. I'm not an expert uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but enough's enough. You don't need to bring an emu on the plane with you. You're not getting any comfort from that emu. You're just bringing it on so you can have another seat. I get you. I got it. And if you suffer from anxiety and legitimately have a comfort animal, uh, don't at me. I understand. Uh, I just don't get it. And I don't think uh, we need to have all these animals on a plane. Should a judge be allowed to pick a final jury panel based solely on the races of the jurors? It's a question that came up today. A uh, article broke this morning on the uh, in the journal Sentinel, and uh, that's exactly what happened in a Milwaukee court recently. So you've been to jury duty in Wisconsin, right? You know that there's normally uh, a couple extra jurors who are there listening to the case, and then after closing arguments, uh, a few are released. But they they keep a couple extra just in case one of the jurors has to uh, has to leave for whatever reason before the trial is over. So there's already at. After closing arguments, any extras beyond 12 get dismissed before deliberation begins. So they just say, all right, uh, juror, this and this. And they, they usually just pick them, pick them out of a bag or whatever, you know, the numbers. So a Milwaukee County judge put an apparently unprecedented twist on this process. She selected an alternate juror from among only the eight white members of the 13 people who heard the case. So I'm going to oversimplify the math so you don't, uh, because it took me a couple readings of the sentence to make sure I had it. There were 13 members of this jury panel that were listening to the case. Five of those jury members were African-American. When the case was over, the judge put those five jurors aside and got rid of the alternate only from the eight white jurors. Hadn't been done before. Uh, and as you can imagine, people are people are wondering if this is one of if it's right, two if it's legal, uh, three if it's going to continue. So here's the deal: uh, it was meant to eliminate the chance that the ultimate juror jury would become less diverse, and that at least five minorities would help decide the guilt or innocence of the African American defendant. This is according to Bruce Vilmetti's story again in the uh, Journal Sentinel. 
People are getting, uh, people are wondering if this is right. A uh, legal scholar at Harvard Law says, I'm very sympathetic to what the defense and judge are trying to do here. The question is, are they doing it in a way that passes constitutional muster? And a Vanderbilt law professor, uh, she said she's never heard of a judge adjusting a jury purely on a racial basis at that stage of the trial despite years of concern about how to diversify frequently white jurors, uh, juries, because that is, that is an issue. It's, it's been an issue for a long time. It's so much, so much so that there was a, a landmark case in 1986, Batson versus Kentucky, where they said that, you know, uh, we need to, we need to try to make sure the juries are more racially balanced, more diverse. So if, before the trial starts, a jury pool comes in. Uh, they can be they can be dismissed on cause because there's not enough diversity. The judge can send them back and ask for a different group to be sent in to try to get a more diverse jury. Now, here's the background of this case. And the question to you is, should a judge be able to do this? Pick a final jury panel based solely on the race of the jurors. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So, um, November 19th, Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Danielle Shelton uh, was presiding over a short trial for a woman charged with carrying a concealed handgun without a permit. All the testimony was done. The judge then asked the lawyers, do you want to say anything in regard to picking an alternate? So right to this point, everything's everything's as it has always been. Then the assistant public defender noted that her client is an African American woman. Uh, quote: We do not have we do have diversity on this jury panel, but I think that diversity could certainly lessen if that one of them picked were picked as an alternate. End quote. Then we pick it up again. And just given the issues that we had, we had that issue with our first jury panel. I would just ask the court to remove those people from the numbers and allow other people to be an alternate. So the public defender is saying, listen, I've got a, a black defendant. A majority of the people in the on the panel are white. So in order to keep things sort of equal... Let me just, let me just pick from... Uh, can you just pick from the white jurors? Then, of course, you know... The assistant district attorney objected, of course, um, uh, said that, that this suggestion appeared to be contrary to state law that says that judges shall determine by lot which extra juror or jurors to discharge before deliberations. So, cut to the chase, the judge makes this decision. Uh, they, take a, they take a break for lunch. The judge comes back. Uh, judge said she would grant uh, the... Public defender's motion to exclude minorities from the alternate selection. This was her quote. So given just this court's concern with the high number of not only black defendants, but lack of black jurors, and the fact that in the city of Milwaukee is a majority minority city, and I'm reading this verbatim, so if it sounds like I'm a little choppy, it's because some of the wording is a little choppy. Uh, and there are only five notice noticeably black jurors on the case. I'm going to allow the black, the people that appear black, you never know what somebody actually is, but people of color to be excluded as part of the alternates. And then the jury, the alternate was selected. Uh, the jury was not informed of this, um, and not or the alternate was not informed that her name was drawn from only eight of the thirteen jurors. Um, 
the defendant was found guilty of this. So it kind of worked out because the defense, it worked out in this case only because the the uh, public defender, her motion was granted. The state won the case, so it didn't really affect the outcome. But the question now becomes, is this is this a pattern that should be continued? To pick an alternate based solely on race. What do you think of this? 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it's a very slippery slope and something that needs to be uh, looked into a little bit more. But I want to know what you think. We'll talk about it after this. WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A judge kind of went off reservation in the Milwaukee courts and decided that she was going to pick an alternate for a jury panel based solely on the race of those jurors. Uh, when the assistant district attorney challenged and objected to the public defender's motion, he said, I'm not aware of any case law where it is applicable because this is a jury that these individuals, both parties have selected who are fair, perceived to be fair and impartial. I don't think there's any sort of legal grounds to say, all right, these are my people. All right, we're not going to consider you guys for alternates, end quote from that. Uh, the judge said, well, maybe this is going to be a test case. Because historically, it's been very hard to get uh, equal representation on juries. I don't know uh, what we would have to do to get more people to report for jury duty. Uh, you've got... You know, you've got people who can't take days off. There's employers who aren't giving people the time off to serve on juries. There's people who don't want it, just don't want to do it. Uh, so trying to get a representative jury, a jury of your peers, would be hard if you are if you are part of certain certain ethnic groups. However, all these lawyers have challenges. They all go through. By the time the testimony is done. These jurors on this panel have been agreed upon, as the uh, assistant district attorney said, by both sides. So everybody should be able to say, yeah, you know what, these people are fine. We, we trust that this is going to be the way. If you, if you allow the judge to start mixing and matching and just, uh, go, well, we've only got, we've got five African-American jurors and eight, well, we're just going to pull the whites, or vice versa. If your jury panel is made up of a majority of any race, and the judge sees the defendant is of a different race and is trying to balance the jury out, first of all, it's no guarantee that it's going to change the outcome of this case, of any case. As I said, even with doing this, the defendant was still found guilty. So you're not, you're not doing anything to help this. Now, the judge is a former public defender, and uh, the public defender's office was asked about this decision, if this is something that uh, has been discussed and something that has been trained for, uh, and they say no, the, uh, through, quote, through our racial and ethnic practice group and through training, the SBD, which is State Public Defender, is making the most current information and legal decisions available to our staff and other defense counsel and training them on how best to put this knowledge into practice in their representation, representation of our clients, end quote. So I don't know. I've never, I've never, I, I've never served on a jury. I reported once, and I knew what to say to get out of it. And I know that's I haven't done my civic duty, but I don't think I'm unique in this case. Uh, then another time, when we were living in Los Angeles, I was summoned, um, and it was one of those where you called the day before 
but out in Los Angeles, this is how they do it. I'm not sure how they do it in Milwaukee. They would you had to call the day before to check in, and it happened that I was summoned right before the holidays. So every time I called the first day, they said you're not needed. Call back again. Called back the next day that they told me to call back. It was the holidays again, so I ended up not having to serve out there either. Have you ever done jury duty, Kyle? No. You, listen, you, I know you're off the grid. They don't. They probably don't even. You don't register to vote or anything, do you? You're just. I understand. I mean, I did it once, but it was you. It was in Wausau. You go in, and they say, There's <laughs> "Was nothing. it a snowball throwing case?" Yeah, it was. Was there a lawsuit? Well, there was. It was settled. I went in, and I read a chapter of my book, and they're like, "We don't need you. You can go." Nice. Home. See, but then you can say you served. Yeah, technically, I got paid for it. Technically, yeah. went in. I went in. Uh, the time I went in, I was seated, and I went through the uh, you know the voir dire where they're questioning all the jurors. How do you like that legal term? I watched a lot of L.A. law back in the eighties, uh, and. Um, it was it was a medical malpractice case for about a child. Uh, something horrible had happened, allegedly. And I had a bunch of stuff to do. <laughs> I couldn't get off work was the thing. But, you know, you couldn't say that because they don't care. Judges don't care. And they shouldn't. At some point, they got to go, listen, nobody can get off work. We need jurors. Shut up. But... I knew if I said something about coming from a family with a lot of children, and I always tend to side on, you know, fall on the side of children, that the... Uh, They're not going to choose you know, it. No, I was out. I could, they couldn't have gotten me out of there fast enough. They almost charged me with a crime just for having shown up. That's how angry they were that I was even in there bothering them for a moment. So I don't know what, I don't know what we do to make juries more racially diverse, but this is not the way. I don't believe that the judge should have, after testimony has begun and after the both counsels have decided on those 12, 13, 14 jurors, I'm sorry, but that's the breaks. And when you reach in, when you reach into that bag and pull out the juror number who's going to be the alternate and be sent away, that's how it goes. I mean, that's the system, the way it's set up right now. If the system, if we can get a system-wide change, that's fine, but we can't have one judge doing it one way and one judge doing it another way. There has to be, there has to be continuity. There has to be stability in the system. Is it a flawed system? Of course it is. But, you know, just take, take it out of the courts. Put it in any other profession. You can't have one person doing something one way and the same person at the same another person at the same company doing things the exact opposite way cuz then things are going to get things are going to get muddied up very very quickly very quickly so we will see how this shakes out i'm sure there will be i'm sure there's going to be a lot more fallout on this cuz as i said it just came out the story just came out this morning um so i'm sure as as the weekend goes on and once the holidays are over and people are actually paying attention to stuff again Things are going to, uh, I, I, I don't think we've heard the last about this, so we'll talk about it some more. Speaking of talking about things more, we're going to talk about more things. What? Well, you'll have to stick around. We'll do it right after this on WTMJ. All right, we're talking about a legal story. Uh, somebody from the 920 texting in, uh, the non-black jurors had their civil rights violated by the judge. Uh, after the guilty verdict, the judge sentenced the defendant to one day in jail. She could have received up to nine months. This was a concealed weapon case. Good luck stopping the violence in Milwaukee with judges like this. Uh, another law that's going into effect, 
The FDA has officially changed the federal minimum age to purchase tobacco from 18 to 21. Oh, so now you can't get your smokes or your beer till you're 21. Good luck with that. I, this is a good idea. You know, there's a, I don't think it's going it's not going to stop people under 21 from getting tobacco or vaping products. Uh, because that's what it includes, all tobacco products, e-cigarettes, and vaping cartridges. Uh, it's not going to stop anybody from getting them. But maybe maybe it makes a couple people hesitate before they go to buy it. I don't know if you really want cigarettes if you're, or, or if you really want to vape, if the law is going to stop you. But the provision came as part of a $1.4 trillion spending package signed by the president on December 20th. It amended the uh, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, which also included $1.4 billion reserved for building the wall and $25 million for gun violence research. Bipartisan support for this. It's unclear how, uh, how it will be enforced, though, uh, and when it's going to kick in. So from the date the president signed the legislation, the FDA has six months to amend their policies. After that, the minimum age would change would take place within 90 days. Uh, the FDA website has been updated, though. Now it says it is now illegal for a retailer to sell any tobacco product, including cigarettes, cigars, and e-cigarettes to anyone under 21. Uh, they also noted that more information will be available regarding the policy change as it becomes available. 19 states already... Uh, don't sell tobacco products to people under 21. So, listen, I would argue that tobacco does more harm than beer or alcohol. So if you're 20 and you start smoking, good chance you're going to do more harm to yourself than if you're 20 and you go out and you get a six-pack and uh, you drink a little. Now, are there... listen? Before you start, before you start texting into the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at eight five five six one six one six twenty, I know that people can become alcoholics. I understand that, but I also think people don't believe they are tobacco addicts. They just smoke and smoke for however many years, and they get sick. And this vaping thing, nobody knows actually what's in this vape. Now this is it's not regulated. You don't know what you're what you're sucking into your lungs. So I. You know, A lot more research has to be done on that. All right. On the other side of the news, if you're looking on social media, you're seeing a lot of pictures of women's hands with big sparkly rings on them this time of year. That is because it is engagement season. We're going to talk a little bit about proposals, and I would love to hear your wedding proposal stories. We'll talk about all of that on the other side. 620 WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We'll just wait till Jeff starts talking, which will be January 2nd. He is on vacation. Uh, Brian Noonan in for Jeff here until 3 o'clock. Then it's Wisconsin's afternoon news. Before the news, we were talking about the FDA raising the minimum wage. Uh, minimum age, rather, to purchase tobacco uh, from 18 to 21. I said that was a fine idea. Uh, a lot of people disagreeing with me, and because, you know, I don't want to be... Uh, I like to give the other side a chance to uh, to comment. We've got some... Let me read these uh, few texts from the 414. That's ridiculous. Is tobacco bad? Yes. But that's why millennials and Gen X get a bad rap. They are treated like children when they should be held to adult standards. 21 to drink, 18 to join the Army, 17 to see... 
R-rated movie, yet you pay adult price at 12 when you can't even see an adult movie. Uh, we wonder why society is falling apart. Fat Lou jumping back in. Noonan, terrible law on smoking. Once you are 18, you can take a bullet for this great nation. Make your own decisions. What's next? I'm too fat to buy fries at Wendy's. Nanny Nation. And uh, nobody smoked from the 920. Nobody smoked one too many cigarettes and killed somebody like a drunk driver. Yes, but as we heard in Rusty's report, uh, drunk driver, the, the guy with the three OWIs was well over 21. So age doesn't really have anything to do with it on that thing. All right, if you are on social media, we talked about social media yesterday. Are you seeing a lot more engagement pictures? I don't quite understand the need to make our, you know, your engagement. After you, after you do it, make it public. But you're seeing proposals being made in public, and that part I don't, I don't quite get. But we're seeing it all through the holiday season. One of my buddies... I I didn't know until his now fiance posted a picture of her hand with the you know a big shiny rock on it and I was like oh what do you know about that I guess they got engaged I was very excited I was excited for them um, and you're seeing these all over a lot of people getting engaged over the holidays because according to the knots. 2019 Global Wedding Report. Is your fiance reading The Knot? That's oh, keep her away from The Knot. That's the website of all things high end wedding. That's you. She's going to get all kinds of ideas, Kyle, that are going to cost you all kinds of money. The Knot. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so and don't let her watch. Say yes to the dress. Is she watching that? That's my daughter watches that. No, my she daughter doesn't worry about that. That's you are a lucky man. My daughter doesn't even have a boyfriend, but she watches Say Yes to the Dress. And then she says, oh, if I get married, I want to go to this, I want to get this one designer. And, you know, the, the dress is only like $10,000. And I look at her and I, like, I know what she makes. I know what <laughs> I, know what I make. Uh, $10,000 dress, huh? Good for you. I, I, if you have it, go. I said, you, you know, I'm not paying for a $10,000 dress. Well, maybe we could get it for less. Okay. But if you're seeing it all, because according to their global wedding report, December is the most common month to get engaged. That's why you're seeing all these. Did you get engaged in, uh, did you get engaged in December? No, it was like the end of October. Very good. That's nice. Doing something a little different. This is, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but they say, they say that people get, you know, while we, Used to think that getting engaged on the holidays was kind of pedestrian, a little hack, you know, because, oh, Valentine's Day and Christmas or New Year's. Those are the three days people think, you know, you're going to get engaged. And I I did not do that. I got engaged. I got engaged early fall. But, you know, people want to do it. And I guess that's fine. Um a luxury matchmaking firm based in Chicago says getting engaged over the holidays can come across as cliche, but it will never go out of style. Uh, they credit the inevitable romantic feeling of the season and year-end reflecting. And a lot of drinking. I added that part, but you know that's part of it. This time of year makes you take stock of what's most important to you in life, realizing what the year was. During the holidays, we show love and gratitude for others, and a proposal is the ultimate show of affection. Really? It seems it's, it's I guess it's the ultimate show. Uh, Diamond Company Shane revealed the survey about engagement traditions specific to couples in the United States. More than thirteen hundred and seventy married couples got engaged, or more than thirteen hundred and seventy married or engaged couples were surveyed for this. Um, 
Does it does it bother you to see people doing public proposals? Because that's we're going to get to that. Some of that is in here. 855-616-1620. Share your proposal story and how you let everybody know about your engagement. It's it's the holidays. Let's feel good. And if you got engaged over the holidays, were you a little disappointed? Because it kind of got lumped in. And I know that sounds harsh, but, you know, you want presents from Santa. And you got this ring. It's a nice ring. But, you know, you kind of got gypped on the other Christmas presents, didn't you? Uh, according to the survey's data, 73% of proposals were a surprise, which I like. Uh, making Christmas and other gift-giving holidays the perfect perfect for popping the question. No, see, because you expect to get something on the holidays. Whether it's a ring, that might still be a surprise. But a real surprise is just a random Thursday. When you order pizza and you both got home from work and it's like, ha-ha, that's a surprise. I know I'm getting a box on Christmas. I know... I'm getting something on Valentine's Day. So I'm going to disagree with that. A few uh, a few of uh, the favorite spots in Chicago for proposals, and I don't know about, uh, I don't know the uh, the good ones in Milwaukee. The Chris Kirindle Market, uh, Botanic Gardens Lightskate, and Millennium Park's Ice Rink for the winter there. For other public proposals, see, did, this, I, have, I have a big problem with public proposals. Because you always run the risk that the person's going to say no. I know, theoretically, you're not supposed to ask somebody to marry you until you know for sure that that person is going to say yes. But there's always a chance. Because the crowd might freak them out. Something might go wrong. Maybe they don't hear you correctly. Uh, maybe the, you know, the, the lighting doesn't make the ring look as spectacular as it is. Or maybe it's daylight and they see how, you know, eh, it rings not really that much. I was expecting something more. We'll talk about public proposals. We'll share our stories. If Kyle, if you don't mind, Kyle will, Kyle will share his story. I will share mine. I want you to share yours. 855-616-1620. The Yakinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. More after this. WTMJ. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. December is the most popular month for people to get engaged, according to The Knot, which is the website for all things wedding-related. Did you get engaged over the holidays? Share your engagements. We want a little Friday feel-good. Tell us how you did it. Uh, now, I was talking about public uh, proposals, and according to this, only 4% of engagements were done in public, despite the fact that 56% of the people surveyed said they wanted a proposal in front of a crowd. And I, it's mm, no thank you. Uh, so we got, mine was, I would, I guess you could say mine was a, a little bit public, but not really. I knew my girlfriend at the time was coming over. So I had an apartment where my balcony Overlook the parking spots, you know, so you, most apartments. So you got the little balcony in the parking spots. And there was nothing across, there were some woods across the street, so nobody could really see unless they were looking at the building. And I made a little banner. Uh, this was back in the day where you had the old printers. So it's, the banner said, will you marry me? So when she pulled up in front of the apartment and parked, she saw the banner. Then she comes upstairs, and I had the, the ring and roses and all that. And it was just a random night. This was not, there was nothing special happening. In fact, I had to work that night. So she came to the apartment, 
I asked her. She said yes, of course. And then uh, then I was doing stand-up at the time. She went to the club with me that night. And now, 28 years later, here we are. You know? So I, I'm hoping yours was a little more... I think mine was... No, it wasn't really romantic. Did she have her own parking spot? You knew she was going to be parking there. There there were spots right in front of the right in front of the the apartment. Yeah, so I knew I knew as as she had called and said she was almost there. uh, She was on her way, and I'm looking at like uh, yeah, every spot right in front of the the apartment was, uh, unless it was you know. I guess you bring up a good point. What if someone else had pulled up in front of the place? Went, you know what? I was looking to get married. Well, right. Or she's in like a hurry. There's no spots. And she's like <laughs> she's flustered and running into the apartment. No, doesn't this even one, notice it. This one, there, was, there, uh, there were plenty of spots. I knew, th- I knew that was not going to be a problem. We weren't in the high traffic uh, part of the apartment complex. So like I said, there was no building across from us. So the only people parking in front of the building were the people who live there and a few guests. So thankfully, but you bring up a good point. Uh, a 28-year hindsight, maybe a 29-year hindsight now, uh, maybe I'd have done it differently. But I'm hoping you were romantic. Did you ride in on a horse? What did you do? Uh, okay, so I was, uh, Kaylee and I were visiting our grandparents in Arizona. And Ooh. so we went on a hike. We had scheduled like a hike before the Packer game. Okay. okay. So um, we went on this hike that was like two miles long, went up to this sort of overlook on this mountain. Oh. And then had it there. So, in, did, did she know it was coming? No, had no idea. Perfect. Um, yeah, so it worked great Perfect. in that in that regard. Um, but in that sense, it was sort of a public place, right? Because it's a park. But you were by yourselves. Well, it was Kinda. the four of us. There was actually. Oh, oh, your, oh her, her parents came too? Or her grandparents. Or her grandparents. Yeah, her grandparents, were, grandparents were oh, I didn't us. know they were on the hike as well. Yep, so oh. they were with us. And then, because uh, we needed somebody to take photos of, of it happening and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Didn't want to hire a professional <laughs> photographer. Because also, you don't know what the trail is going to look like when we get to the, to the <laughs> overlook and there's just one guy with a photo just, you know, kind right. of just waiting for us. It's kind of obvious. Yeah, who's so, that guy lurking around? <laughs> who's that weird guy hiding behind the bush? Uh, so Pay no attention to me. So when we got there, there's like maybe 10, 12 people there. And I'm like, this can't. Like Immediately, I turn over, over around to her grandmother, Gail. I'm like, we got we to gotta wait. Like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so we're kind of waiting, just meandering on the overlook. Like, oh, wow, look at the views for five minutes, waiting for people to leave. It's and too long to look at views. <laughs> Eventually they do, and then I, you know, had the, you know, proposed. She says yes. Everything, big engagement. And then there's one guy, one lone guy, like really just had worked to make his way up to this overlook. Just sweaty, needs the break. There's no benches or anything. It's just landscape. So we're in front of the rock that you sit on. Oh no! And so he needs a space to chill. He's like, oh, what's going on and everything. So we have. This exhausted man take our photo as well, so it was uh, it was kind of nice. That's very nice, and I will say it's good that you had that few extra minutes. You catch your breath, maybe the sweat dries up a little bit, and that sounds very picturesque. Her, her grandfather was getting a little impatient. He was kind of finding rocks around and starting to build like little mounds, like little you know, <laughs> just trying to find like something. The aliens keep, had keep landed. Busy, yeah. Wow. Uh, so that 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 was nice too. It does. I that sounds like that's a very nice proposal. That's it's it was very great. sounds picturesque. You involve some of the family, which is nice. Grandparents are a great touch. 
her, all her grandma was great. Weird. The, the day before, she went on the, the same hike to sort of scope it out, make sure it was going to work. <laughs> and then when we were on the hike Saturday morning, leaving for it, uh, just getting our just beginning, she has a backpack. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm training for a for a whatever, something, some sort of race or, or 5K, <laughs> something. In the backpack was uh, champagne and glasses, like, for when she said nice yes and job. everything. So, yeah, props to props to Grandma Gail. That worked perfect. And you had, you had no doubt that this was going to be an affirmative. No, she would, she had told me um, earlier in the in the summer at another wedding, like, okay. I want to marry you. And I was like, oh. well, you can't be any more clear than no, that. That so, works out. That's so there we go. Perfect. So. Well, congratulations. That's beautiful. Thank you. See, now that's the kind of story I want to hear. I like the, I like those kind of stories. Uh, from the 630, my son's generations like likes setting up Instagram perfect proposals. Sounds like sounds like Kyle's. Uh, complete with scenery and props with several close friends pleasure present to witness and toast the occasion i'm having trouble reading today i don't know why ed asner ed asner needs to come because reading is fundamental uh that's another reference that you will not understand kyle but that's all right a couple people will uh we'll talk a little bit more about this and get to other things on the other side it's brian for jeff wtmj you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj talking about engagements because uh december the most popular month to get engaged. Uh, and then we uh, kind of merged into public engagements because despite 56% of people saying that they wanted to propose in front of a crowd, only 4% of the people surveyed actually did. Jeff says, I wouldn't do it, but I don't get mad if I see someone doing it at a sporting event or something like that. Doesn't personally affect me unless I'm romantically interested in the ladies being proposed to. Wow, Jeff reading a lot into this. There's a, there's a lot going on. Um, I'm probably uh, too old for them at this point since I'm no Robert Redford. Well, Jeff, Jeff uh, you know, putting a lot of you see somebody at the Brewers game getting engaged. You're like, well, that's uh, that's one more that I can't have. <laughs> that just seems that seems uh, like a lot. Um, somebody texting in that Debbie Lazaga got engaged at the Cinderella Castle. I don't know that. We'll have to we'll have to find out. We'll have to do some research. Go into the uh, go into the HR files. I don't know if that's in the HR file. If if that's in Debbie's HR file, and why would I have access to Debbie's HR file? Quite frankly, uh, did you see Lindsey Vaughn got engaged, and then she uh, two years later she has now asked her her fiance PK Subban to marry her, and gave him a ring, and she said it's equality because men deserve rings too. Um, that's, uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. A little non-traditional back when I was getting married, that didn't really happen. Uh, you know, if my wife had asked me to marry her, I would have thought something was wrong with her. Like she'd had a concussion or something. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, ooh, I didn't put my ring. On. <laughs> I was going to say, oops. uh, I wear very, a very simple band. I don't need another ring. I don't need an engagement ring. I'm not Liberace. I don't need a big, you know. Subban got a big, uh, I don't know, it looks like a platinum, just a big platinum band. I wouldn't I wouldn't want one. You want, yeah, you don't want a ring. Well, I mean. Uh, You'll wear a wedding ring. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sure, you're yeah, going to have a wedding ring. I got ring, one sure. coming up, and, and I mean, I, I'm i a little fidgety. Getting one makes me kind of, I feel like I'm going to lose it or I'm going to touch it too much. Yeah. Well, you, well, when it's first on, you can't stop spinning it. Yeah. So you just spin it, spin it, spin it. And my actual wedding ring uh, the the band I wear now is the ring I got married in, because our wedding rings were at the jeweler and there was a huge flood in Chicago and we couldn't get to our wedding rings. So we had the day before the wedding, we got married in Michigan. We had to go to the mall 
and get just two gold bands. We got married in those gold bands, and then I didn't wear them for a while. I w- we got our, our rings. I wore that, and when I lost all my weight, my wedding ring got too big, and I, had, I couldn't wear it because it kept flying off. So then I went back, and the band, the simple band, was a little smaller, so I, I just started wearing that again. So I've had, I have interchangeable wedding bands. You never know. Which, whichever wife I'm with that day, that's the ring I wear. Yeah, I think the the female promo, pro, proposing to the male that's becoming more of a popular thing. I know of a few couples really? that that have done that. Huh? Well, I think uh, also it might some of it just might be impatience. I, you know what? Sometimes it's the uh, the blank or get off the pot. You know, the, mm-hmm, so the right. the woman's going to take the initiative, and I good for you, ladies. Uh, ladies are the boss. Yeah. So if if the guy isn't if the guy's not making his move, you got to go. Uh, we've got a few more texts. We'll cover that too. We'll cover some things that uh, you should be doing this weekend in Milwaukee. A lot to get to in the final half hour. But now you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, we were talking about proposals before the news, and we got two stories in here, and I have to share these stories because uh, they are both they are both unique and lovely in their own way. Uh, from the 262, this is from Jake and Katie in Burlington. I got engaged on the Saturday of opening deer season 2019. I told her I shot a buck and wanted her and the kids to come experience tracking it with me. This is a, this is a uniquely Wisconsin proposal, and I love every second of it so far. And I mean that sincerely. Once in the woods, all dressed in orange, I attached the old back tags we once wore to my kids, uh, three years old and two years old. Uh, back with Mommy, Will You Marry Me, printed out and placed in the back tags. Uh, I turned the kids around and got down on one knee. It was my family farm and very private, and of course she said yes. Now that's, listen, your story was romantic, but it didn't involve a dead deer, it didn't involve back tags, or an orange wardrobe. But it was in Arizona, so you got to take all those things into account. That's a beautiful story. Uh, The opposite end of the engagement spectrum Coming in uh, from the 765, my sister was publicly asked during a family dinner. We'd been clued into this ahead of time by her boyfriend. It went okay, but made me super uncomfortable knowing it was coming, especially because of the location. This took place during Thanksgiving weekend at a busy Golden Corral buffet just feet away from the chocolate fountain. Classy? Dot, dot, dot. I don't think so. (laughs) Well, listen, one person's classy is another person's uh, very mundane. The Golden Corral doesn't put me in a romantic mood for everlasting relationships. But again, everybody's got their own thing. You know, maybe you're looking at the bounty of the Golden Buffet and think Golden Corral Buffet and thinking to yourself, I want to share this bounty with someone forever. I want our lives to be as bountiful as the chicken wings and potato skins at the Golden Corral. I think that's a beautiful story. Beautiful, beautiful. Story not so beautiful. Oh, man. When can we stop being so celebrity obsessed? It's our fault that the Kardashians and these other celebrities have grown into huge, huge phenomenons. You know that, right? It's our fault. So when are we going to stop? Because now the internet is all abuzz because Kylie Jenner, uh, she's the youngest of the Jenners, I believe, or one of the youngest, maybe maybe Kendall, I don't know which one Kylie is. I haven't watched uh, one episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I have not kept up with them at all. 
So Kylie Jenner has a one-year-old daughter called Stormy. Stormy with an I. Can I just sidebar this for a minute? If you name your kid Stormy with an I, uh, there's one profession that she seems destined for. I'll let you figure it out for yourself. Just know she's going to come home with a lot of singles. Um, So Stormy, she gave her a diamond ring for Christmas. And if you've seen... I only saw it because I I saw this story. Uh, Again, I don't follow them on Instagram or Twitter or anything. Jenner posted a short video of her daughter wearing the bling in her Instagram stories. But it has since been deleted. Yeah, because people lost their minds. Um... The celebrity news outfit, The Shade Room, got a screenshot. Immediately following the post, Jenner received criticism from so- on social media for the over-the-top present. One person on Twitter wrote that it was ridiculous, adding, I know people work for their money, but that money could have gone to putting food in someone's body, paying for medical bills, or planting trees. <clears throat> All right. this, this always bothers me. Uh, when... A celebrity or someone spends a lot of money on something. There's always someone or a number of someones who say, well, why couldn't that money have been used for a social good? Now, we don't know if Kylie Jenner or any of the other Jenners give, a, give money to charity or help causes. You know, granted, I think this is kind of dumb, buying a one-year-old girl a diamond ring. Is it dumb because I don't have the money to do it? I don't think so. Because I always judge I always judge these kind of decisions this way, and maybe you do too. If I had the money, would I still do this? Like, I, I could say, I'm never buying uh, a one-year-old girl a diamond ring. Well, theoretically, I'm not, you know, I don't have diamond ring money for toddlers. But even if I did, would I do it? No. So it's not a money issue, it's a common sense issue. It's an issue of, you know, whatever. Yes, somebody texted in, it's money they earn, they should be able to spend it any way they want. And I agree with that. I agree with it. So I don't think we should get this obsessed over how she spends her money. I'm just surprised that people care this much about what Kylie Jenner is doing, or any celebrity. You know, following following these people's every move on Instagram and every bit of social media and trying to trying to feel like they are part of your life when they're not. I don't I don't know if it's because our lives are lacking something. Is that why we latch on to these celebrities so much? So there's two there's two issues here. One is, you know, don't be a hater. You can, you, you can hate the player, don't hate the game. The game is Kylie's making Kylie's making long dollars, as the kids say. Is that what the kids say, Kyle? I don't think the kids say that, uh, but they should. I'm going to try to get it. To, I'm going to try to get it to catch on and make it long dollars. Anyway, Kylie's got the money to buy a diamond ring for a kid. She also bought Stormy a pony. <laughs> it could be more rich person cliche. Oh, I bought my daughter a pony. Um, so then she she also. <laughs> She got rid of that one, too. She got rid of the pony. Uh, she captioned that one, Oh, but Stormy had the best Christmas of all time. So we can't we can't get mad at somebody for spending their money. And we can't always say that they're not doing something good with it. But, I don't know, Do you, I don't follow any celebrities on any social media channel. 
Uh, do you follow anybody? You don't. You, we said this yesterday. You're not really involved in social media that much at all. But do you follow any of these? Do you follow any of these celebrities on social media? And if you do, why? What is it? Or do you live vicariously through their cool lifestyle? Is there something that you're lacking? And you could, you know, you don't have to give us your name. You can be honest. Is there something you're lacking that you f- you get fulfillment with by following these people? And these, I don't understand the whole Instagram influencer thing. Like the the Jenners are influencers. Have you ever been influenced by anybody on uh, Instagram? No. No, of course not. No. Who's who's getting it? And you see these. Oh, we've got you know a hundred thousand followers, and we're, we're you know I'm posting with an energy drink. And listen, I'm not going to lie. I've posted some pictures with a product because I like the product that I'm using. Like if I'm having a beer or something, um, you know. Do I hope that this brewery wants to uh, send me some free beer? I'm not going to turn it down, but I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to influence anyone's decision. This is if you happen to get a picture of me, you know, with a beer or smoking a cigar or something, and I tag what it is. That's because that's what I was doing anyway, you know. And if you happen to follow me, I don't know what I don't know what's missing in your life. That's a problem. Why, why do any of us follow anybody? It's it's just ridiculous. So I don't know, but Kylie's uh, Kylie's got herself that. Uh, Guy's got herself that ring. Or now Stormy does. So that's that. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to uh, look at the weekend. It is the weekend. I know uh, most of us have forgotten what day it is because we, we have no idea. Christmas in the middle of the week screws everything up. But it is the weekend. And uh, we'll talk about some things you can do. And I'm going to open it up. If you have something you want to, uh, if you're if you're in a band or something and you're playing this weekend and you want to share, it's Friday fun. We'll give you, we'll give you, you know. Ten seconds to plug it. Just tell us who you are, where you're going to be, or your big suggestions for the weekend. We'll get to all of that. I know Kyle just freaked out. Like, what? We're going to what? You're opening the phone lines. That's crazy talk. Yeah, it's Friday. I'm already I'm already in a happy hour state of mind, Kyle. We got to relax a little bit. WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Oh, yes, we'll let a little Jackson Brown go for a second. Uh, we were talking about uh, proposals and stuff before, and somebody texted in. I forget uh, who it was. Somebody from the 414 said, Debbie Lazica got engaged at the Cinderella Castle at Disney World. And I said, well, I'm going to have to look at Debbie's HR file. But the nice thing is that Debbie walked in, so I don't have to, uh, you know, uh, comp- Right from the horse's mouth, as it were. Yes, I don't have to do anything <laughs> illegal to get the information. So, is this report true? This Did you in fact get engaged? This report is 100% true. Yes. At the at the at Cinderella, Cinderella Castle. Cinderella Castle in Disney World. Yes. So they do now. It's been a long time since I've been there. They do. They have a restaurant in it's there. It's a now? restaurant. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. a restaurant. So, did you know this was coming? I had a feeling it was going to happen during the trip at some point in time, but I didn't realize it was at that dinner. Okay. Um, my husband threw a red herring in there and said, well, the big dinner, hint, hint, is going to be <laughs> at the luau tomorrow night. I'm like, oh, oh okay, because we were doing the luau at the Polynesian. Put the, the ring night. in the pig's mouth or something. <laughs> or something. That'd so I'm like, all right, whatever. So, you know, it was it was good. I mean... I had a horrible stomach that day too, so I was feeling horrible. <laughs> oh no! And so he, uh, you know, right before dessert, uh, the guy comes up, pulls the, you know, puts a plate in front of me, opens the, um, the, pulls the, what do you call it, off like of the, the dome, the, the dome the, thing the, comes the... off, and on the plate it was written, "Will you marry me in chocolate?" Oh. 
And I, my my jaw dropped. The guy we had a course that was Disney, so there was a photographer oh, there. Sure. So I got a picture of my jaw like hitting the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and then my husband. Next thing I know, he's on his knee next to me. Oh wow! With the ring, and he goes, "Will you?" And I didn't let him say, "Marry me." I said, "Yes." Very. <laughs> I nice. jumped it, and then everybody in the restaurant <laughs> went gaga and everything. And then we watched the fireworks the next. You know, little bit later, and I, you know, one of the sh- fireworks shot up, and everyone's like, "Ooh!" My head goes flying back, and I hit him in the nose. Oh! So I think I broke his nose on the night that we. Wow! <laughs> well, the, crack. That's He's a like, good, st- good couple chapters of that story. Then. Yep. Memorable yeah, on so many levels. Now, was he dressed like Prince Charming? No, oh. no, he was, you know, dressed nicely, sure. khakis and a, and a sure. polo, and okay. I was like in a skirt or whatever, and then, you know, so I'm like, so nothing's happening at the luau. <laughs> yeah, really. So what's happening? At the, so what did happen at the big dinner? Nothing. It just the Nice luau? It, was, it was a luau, but the okay. luau apparently was more expensive than the dinner at the at the, uh, <laughs> at the Cinderella. Oh, so he was talking so, the big big dollar dinner. I mean, that's the way I'm, I'm guessing. That's yeah. kind of what he was talking about. Either way, so, yeah, it was well, a lot a of fun. Story. Great memories, and yeah. now the house is we're all Disney, so everything oh, is okay. Disney. So we had actually a, it, the, the ring came in a gl- glass slipper, tiny glass slipper. Really? In there was rose petals, and the ring was on the rose petals in the shoe. Why am I not surprised that Disney knows how to knows how to take care of that? You know, if somebody says I want to get engaged, sure, give us your credit card. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. So that was (laughs) that was actually one of our cake toppers. Actually, the the shoe was. That's terrific. Yeah. So that's very very nice. Well, congratulations. Somebody texting in very upset that you're taken. Oh, Uh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. You should have taken her to Disney World before. Now uh, now Deb's gone. That's it. Well, good for you. That's a, you. That's a great story. Congratulations. Uh, it is the weekend, as I mentioned. A couple things going on in town. Uh, if you want to share yours, you are more than welcome to. But uh, here are just a few things that uh, we're looking around. This I didn't know this was happening, and I'm uh, upset that I did not get uh, tickets for this. Chevy Chase is in town. He is going to be, there is going to be a 30th anniversary screening of National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, it's happening at the Riverside Theater. It's tonight at 7.30. Uh, I don't, I don't know if there's any tickets left, but they are 49.50, uh, to get in there. So he's going to be there. He's going to do a little Q&A afterwards. So that'll be fun. Trans-Siberian Orchestra is happening at a Serve Forum. I probably mispronounced that. Fiserv? Fiserv. Thanks, Debbie. Uh, <laughs> Pfizer Forum. You guys know what I'm talking about. So they are going to be there with their crazy Christmas show. They're uh, they're doing that at the uh, the forum. Shows at eight o'clock tonight. Tickets start at forty nine bucks. You can go to the Milwaukee County Zoo for free. Free is the best. Anything you can do for free, I would say do it. Uh, check out the polar bears and other winter savvy animals. This was obviously this was obviously put together before we realized it was going to be almost fifty every day over the weekend. So uh, that's Milwaukee County Zoo's Frosty Free Week. It runs through the first of January, so you can go uh, check out the polar bears. They're going to be there. The um, let's see, admission is free to the zoo from Christmas Day through New Year's Day. Milwaukee Music Fest is happening at the uh, sale runs from 10 to 4 Sunday at Four Points by Sheraton uh, down by the airport. That is a year-end event. The record dealers selling an array of vinyl albums, CDs, and DVDs, all sorts of music from classic to collectibles. And there is going to be some pro wrestling in Oak Creek. Midwest Independent Association of Wrestling's Season's Greetings Edition tomorrow night. First bell at 7.30 at the Oak Creek Community Center. Um, tickets start at $10 for kids. You get, uh, oh, kids get a free Lucha Wrestling mask with admission. 
Kyle, take me to see wrestling. I want a lucha mask. Then I'll come in Monday to do the show as the masked radio host. It'll be like the masked singer. People have to guess who I am because we'll keep playing the Jeff Wagner uh, sounders. And people go, that doesn't sound like Jeff. And whoever it is, the voice is really muffled like he's wearing a mask. That won't sound, uh, that won't sound good at all. You can gaze at the holiday lights before they go dark. Candy Cane Lane is in West Allis. Uh, it's a Christmas light display bounded by Oklahoma and Montana Avenues and 92nd and 96th Streets. Uh, they turn off the lights after Saturday. That's it. The Milwaukee Holiday Lights Festival uh, is at uh, Cathedral Square Park. Includes Wisconsin Avenue and in downtown Cathedral Square Park, Paramarquette Park, and the Union Square. It goes dark on Wednesday. And then I talked about this the other day. We did this last Sunday. Went to Winter Wonders. This is the first year for Winter Wonders. If you haven't heard about it, it is a lot of fun. It's a drive-through holiday light display. Uh, it's around the uh, Bonner Botanical Gardens. It wraps up after January 1st. So you can line up starting at 4.30. The display opens at 5. Last car goes in at about uh, 9 o'clock. So there you go. There's some things to do. Speaking of things to do, I am going to make room for uh, Mike Spaulding and the rest of the Wisconsin Afternoon News team. We're going to find out what is happening on Wisconsin's Afternoon News right after this. 620 WTMJ.